Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome in, everybody. Hello, I'm Ben Kenny. It is on the clock. It is uh, another off-season edition as we trudge along here on Phillies 24-7, Sports Radio WIP. Thank you for joining us as always. A lot to get to today. I want to set this all up first. Number one, there are finally things happening across Major League Baseball. They're hilarious. We'll get to all of the moves coming up later. They have to do with the Phillies. I want to crap on the Mets a bit. There's that. I have some food for thought entering 2024, as it now is the new year. And I don't know. I don't do New Year's resolutions. I find a lot of them to be hollow. Like the the idea of, oh yeah, I want to work out more or do this more not having quantifiable things to actually achieve. I just, I'm not all in on that. I do some goals, you know, outline some things. Instead of trying to read more, you try to read 12 books, things of that nature. Something to actually set your sight on to achieve. But that said, it is the new year. I have food for thought entering 2024 when it comes uh, to the Phillies team itself. Just, you know, general musing. I rewatched the yearbook. I'm more sad about last year. We'll get to all that coming up later. So we have baseball stuff, we have moves, we have food for thought with the Phillies. And then I wanted to start here. I wanted to lead with a general query, a question. Consider this for a second as I run through some evidence that is being presented by some of the thought leaders around Major League Baseball. Do the Phillies have another big move in them? Is there another big move coming this offseason? Like we saw the Yamamoto thing happen and it didn't. He went to L.A., but we see what, what's happening in L.A., and they look like they're building somewhat of a super team. Otani, Glasnow, Yamamoto. The Phillies see that. They've re-signed Nola. I've made my thoughts clear. I think that's enough. But the team has to be bolstered. Do the Phillies see the other teams and feel pressured to make a move, especially with, you know, the Braves also recently did something? That, again, we'll get to later. But do the Phillies have another big move in them? Are they near another huge move? Think about that for a second, because here is what has dropped and been been written, said things of that nature over the last week. We start with Jeff Passan. He reported in a piece on ESPN that the Phillies actually offered three hundred plus million dollars to Yoshi Yamamoto before he went to the Dodgers. So we knew there was an offer. We didn't know how how in it they were. We didn't know how competitive the offer was, but three hundred mil is no like that's not nothing. That is enough money where they are actually with the Mets and with the Dodgers in terms of of pure dollar figure, which meant obviously they weren't going to get him anyway, and we know that part of it. But the significant part, as we said, them even being in the race meant a lot. Well, if they're even offering $300 million, which would also include a $40-plus million posting fee, you got to pay to the other team or whatever, um, all of that is actually happening Meaning, it's not just talk. There's desire there on the Phillies' side. Passon writes this. Other teams continue to lurk. The Texas Rangers want to re-sign Jordan Montgomery, but don't know how the bankruptcy of their regional sport networks, which we've talked about, uh, will affect their television deal. The Yankees would also love a reunion with Jordan Montgomery. The Mets and Phillies both offered $300 million to Yamamoto, and while neither planned to pivot to Snell or Montgomery, both are nimble enough to seize an opportunity that markets provide if an opportunity arises. So we'll return, uh, we'll return to the opportunity part of it. 
But let's stick on the fact that the money is on the table. They've actually, they've actually laid it out there to say that, yeah, the third uh, luxury tax thing, whatever. Who cares about that? We have $3 billion in this team already, and it's not enough. And we still, and we, I mean Middleton, it's like the money is not an obstacle. This guy wants to win. And, I mean, you could be an optimist uh, or you could be a realist if it's just like, okay, Yamamoto is just that special of a player. But even so, there are special players that come on the market quite often. And then if you actually are willing to pay them despite the consequences, whether it's draft compensation, whether it's financial penalty, the fact you're actually willing to do that, as a fan base, you should get excited about that. So that's part number one. And return to the question. Think about it. Do the Phillies have another big move around the corner? Do they have one in them? Scott Lauber of the Inquirer said this, the Phillies still continue to make moves despite not being active in the last seven plus weeks since the NOLA signing. They are not satisfied with their roster currently. The reality is there's so many players out there trying to get bigger deals than what teams think they're worth. End quote. So let's break that down. I mean, we know the Phillies have done nothing on the surface. They have been in on some big ticket guys. The biggest part is Scott Lauber writes for the Inquirer. He is very connected in those circles. The Phillies are not satisfied with their roster currently. It means they want to improve. Now, the opportunity, does that arise? That's another question. And the other bit is, I mean, some of these players, and I think it's clear because not all of them have signed, really miscalculated the market or don't have a good understanding as to what their market is. Like the veteran bats have not really gone off the shelves, and Passan was talking about this. A guy like Jorge Soler could easily help a team, but Soler, Hoskins, um, the outfielder from the Blue Jays, who uh, Teoscar Hernandez, all these guys, and one of them signed today, Bader, who went to the Mets, we'll discuss. But all these guys, I think, have overestimated what they're actually worth, and there are a lot of them. And there are a lot of teams looking to fill that gap. A big veteran bat that can DH now that the National League allows a DH. But, I mean, maybe Snell and Montgomery are two of those players that are trying to get bigger deals. Other teams aren't in on it. So the opportunity comes later. But the biggest part from Lauber is that the Phillies are not satisfied with their roster currently. Next, Chris Cotillo of Mass Live, he covers the Red Sox, was writing about Blake Snell. Because obviously Sox are in on a bunch of guys. They signed Giolito. The Sox look totally dysfunctional. But anyway, Chris Cotillo says, the somewhat mercurial Snell seems like less of a clean fit. And some now believe that he might command a shorter, more creative deal for a team in a win-now mode. I repeat, he, lo- he looks less like a clean fit, as in Nola, 7 years, 172. Yamamoto, 13 years, 325. Um... Uh, what's his name? Garrett Cole on the Yankees. A billion dollars for a billion years. Less of a clean fit in that way. And some now believe he may command a shorter, more creative deal for a team in win-now mode. That sounds like the Phillies, I must say. Uh, Catillo continues, Earlier this week, a person with knowledge of the pitching market suggested something like a three-year deal with a high average value and opt-outs. Meaning if Snell continues to pitch great, then... He could go out and really get a long-term deal. But it's a team that doesn't want to commit long-term, Phillies. Maybe um, doesn't really care about how much money they're throwing around, Phillies. And have a need, not necessarily. Other teams have needs. The Phillies have more desires. They might want the best rotation in baseball. So if all else comes down to it, and Middleton is the biggest check, and the Phillies could win, and you're in the middle of the spotlight here, and Snell could be the third best pitcher on the snap, on or at least the pitcher, the third, the pitcher with the third most pressure on him. That's what I think Snell would be. <clears throat> the Phillies. That's what works. So read into that what you will. We continue. Mark Feinsand says the Yankees and the Angels are connected to Imanaga, another Japanese pitcher who I'm going to get to in a bit. Uh, the Cubs, the Phillies, the Mets, the Red Sox, and the Giants are thought to have interest in at least two. The three big pitchers left, Imanaga, lefty from Japan, Blake Snell, and Jordan Montgomery. Montgomery from the Rangers just won a World Series. I've talked about Blake Snell endlessly. The Cubs, Phillies, Mets, Red Sox, Giants are thought to have interest in at least two. Again, these are all little crumbs from a lot of different people. 
a Red Sox writer talking about the Snell market, a Phillies writer talking about the Phillies not loving their current position, Jeff Passan saying that the Phillies are actually out there with the money, all of those little nuggets and breadcrumbs, it feels like the team's going to do something. Or it feels like, while I have maybe said that an outfielder would work or you don't have to really go star hunting, the team's good enough, it feels like the the upper management and John Middleton and Dabrowski are not satisfied. So all these little things, I mean, are pointing to me. Um, I think one of two things is going on. This is, I think, the best way I can say it. And it's, are you an optimist or are you a realist? An optimist would look at this and say, Middleton genuinely does not give a damn, does not care. Take away the draft picks, give him uh, uh, financial penalties. The further up the luxury tax you go, you're paying more and more and more money. The optimist says he doesn't care, genuinely does not care, and that there's another big move on the horizon. Remember back to the Schwarber offseason, this happened, right? The Castellanos market was weird. Philly signed Schwarber, and then later, it's like, oh, there's Castellanos too, and they get both of them. So there's that part of it. A realist would would say, and this comes down more to Jeff Passan's report and the money, but that Yamamoto was so unique and such a perfect free agent and a perfect acquisition and a perfect pitcher, 25 years old, really talented, Not a, you're not trading for the guy, you're signing him. So, I mean, he's worth that much more money because you're not giving up other assets. Yamamoto might have been so unique that it was foolish not to try. That if you are a big player and a big boy in the sport, it would have been foolish not to try to get him. Um, So there's that part of it. And then uh, deal with whatever consequences. So, I don't know. Um, I'm starting to side more with the latter. And that's the money part with passing. It's really the biggest thing I come back to is not necessarily the Phils being willing to give a lot of money to a pitcher or wanting to bolster their rotation. I think that, like, if somebody falls on their lap, they're going to take them, and they're not going to look twice. Like, history doesn't remember how much money Middleton paid in luxury tax. The thing I keep coming back to is what Chris Cotillo said, is that Snell might have been somewhat delirious about his market, and it's not as good as he would have liked, and that... If a, if a low-year, three-year, high-average-value type of deal is possible, maybe with deferrals or whatever, or opt-outs, that the Phils, they don't have to tie themselves to this guy. Because I wouldn't. I don't like Snell. But if you give me him on a three-year deal and say, yeah, he's your third pitcher. You have Nola and Wheeler. He's a big-game guy. Maybe you could even bring him in as a, as a super reliever in the playoffs. Like, he's a weapon objectively. He is a weapon on the mound. You add that to the team, like I I suddenly don't really care about what the long-term prospects are like. And the risk, the risk you are taking on by adding him is so much lower, right, if you already have the other guys on the roster. So I look at like if his market can can suddenly crater and it's just a couple-year deal with with big average money, yeah, I'd do it. Like, are, are you kidding? Nola, Wheeler, Snell, Ranger, and then Taiwan Walker and Chris Sanchez, or you trade Taiwan, give me Chris Sanchez. Like that's a that's 2011 Phillies type rotation. And I don't mean that as hyperbole. Nola, Wheeler, Snell, Suarez, Chris Sanchez. That's ridiculous. And you have lefties in there, so you're not just yeah, there's a lot of variation. Wheeler is one kind of guy. Nola's Nola and Ranger are similar. Wheeler and Snell are more similar. Like, that that works, man. So, I don't know. I, I am starting to lean towards a move could be made. Now, again, this is also a totally a matter of circumstance because there are, there are the three options that I mentioned. And I want to look at it this way, too. There's Snell, who I just mentioned, um, who I don't like. Again, on a two- to three-year deal, not saying no. I, I would get excited. I would take Blake Snell. He's the only one of the three with a qualifying offer which means if you sign him, you're giving up a certain draft pick. So signing him would do that. It would also take you over the third tax line. So you're talking about big penalties. It gives you the best rotation. I always viewed Snell as not a NOLA replacement, giving his innings and how he pitches, but a fine third option. 
I think he would work well as a three. Now, he's going to go somewhere probably and be a one, but I mean here in terms of what I want from a pitcher. I like him as a three. I do. So there's that. There's Jordan Montgomery. No qualifying offer. Probably a lower ceiling than Snell. They're all pretty much the same age. He's like 31. He's another top three rotation piece. I'd be fine with him as well as a three. I think his market, he'd be more likely to get a long-term deal than Snell is. But even so, we are, we're talking about if markets deteriorate. Because as of now, Blake Snell's not signed anywhere. Jordan Montgomery hasn't signed anywhere. And this the Japanese guy, who's, his window's closing. Shoto Imanaga. Jeff Passens mentioned him. And again, they said the Phillies have interest in two of these guys. So I'm not just talking out of my rear end right now. This is actually connections that have been made by people in the know. Imanaga, 30-year-old Japanese lefty. People compare him to um, a, a Yusei Kikuchi. He's not dominant. He's not amazing. But he's not, he's not bad at all. He's a really good pitcher. He's probably going to get 100 mil, as they said. And he has nine days, or now eight, I guess, left to sign. His signing window is closing. So it's going to happen soon. The Mets and the Giants. And this is something I keep coming back to with all these guys. The Mets and the Giants are far more desperate than the Phillies are, which inherently means they would pay more. When you are desperate in a market like this, an open market, desperation equals an overpay or maybe settling for something for more money that isn't worth as much. So I think the Mets and the Giants are desperate for pitching, 100%. They'd pay more. So that's why it seems unlikely. Imanaga, it seems unlikely. I would say Snell and Montgomery do as well. But there are many ifs you have to check. If you tell me that you could check that Snell's market deteriorates and the guy is on a couple-year deal and whoever offers him the most money plus a spotlight, plus a place he knows he can win, pretty much... Well, he wants to set himself up for the next long-term deal. I don't know. He might be delirious. I don't know. If you're not going to give a guy a long-term deal after he wins Cy Young, then when are you going to give him one? That's a question I would ask. I, I don't think if he's not going to get one this offseason, he never will. But I don't care from a Phillies perspective. If you give me him short-term, I'm in on that. But all of those things have to, uh, all those boxes have to be checked, if that makes sense. So, most likely, I, again, I think if something were to happen, which I would still bet no, but I think the percentages are really raising drastically. If somehow these guys can slip out of the cracks for all of the desperate teams with money, like the Giants and the Mets and the Red Sox to a lesser degree, and they can slip down to them, I think the most likely outcome is, is Blake Snell becomes Nick Castellanos adjacent. Nobody wants him at the number, so the Phillies offer said short-term deal they get him, they go nuts for the two- to three-year window, and they know penalties will come in the future. And, and I'd be in. Again, that rotation is disgusting. Wheeler, Snell, Nola, or, sorry, retract that statement. Should not have said it that way. Wheeler, Nola, Snell, Suarez, Taiwan slash Chris Sanchez. I mean, I, that's, again, th th that's a winning rotation. But this is something, and I'll come back to this theme. This is something that I think the Phillies want. It's something that other teams need. And that's why I still lean towards it not happening. But, I mean, I thought it was impossible last week. And then I have Passon saying Phils are offering 300 for Yamamoto. So they have the desire and the money's there. Lauber saying the Phillies don't like their roster enough. So they want to improve. Um, Cotillo saying that Snell, his market's deteriorating and he might be a short-term guy. And Feinstein saying the Phillies have interest in two of the three of Imanaga, Snell, or Montgomery. So, I mean, all that stuff put together, it's like, yeah, we're, we're trending in the direction, maybe, of something happening. So, if you want to return to my original question, do the Phillies have a big move on the horizon? I don't know what the horizon is. I don't know how long a Blake Snell thing would take. Now, I did see uh, earlier today, as I search on Twitter, which is great broadcasting. Here it is. Uh, John Heyman said, interested Yankees wouldn't, uh, sorry, interested Yankees shouldn't assume Blake Snell prefers to stay West. Boris tells us he's, quote, open to all and only prefers to win. Uh, and Heyman adds a note, should the Yankees sign Snell, they'd be the first team in 34 years to possess both Cy Young winners, blah, blah, blah. That's Boris is feeding Heyman saying, make our guy look good. Like Garrett Cole 
is in a different class of pitcher than Blake Snell. And people people like Snell, but everybody with a brain can see his Cy Young season and realize there's some flaw there. We're not talking Pedro. He's not he's not Nola, as I've explained and as I try to get in people's brains. But there was um what I was trying to to pass along is here it is. Andy Martino actually reported it. Blake Snell privately expressed interest in playing for the Yankees. So I don't know. I don't know what that means. That could be Snell's camp trying to push the Yankees. That could be the Yankees trying to push his price up because when the Yankees are involved, money goes up. But the note there from Heyman, who I think is fed information by Boris, says Blake Blake Snell prefers to win and that he's open to all. So again, you when we talk about winners, the Phillies are a winner. So that could work. Now, if you get in a bidding war with the Yankees, are you going to win? I don't know. They're not the Yankees of old. As we talked about a couple weeks ago, the Dodgers are the new Yankees. They're the ones with all the money. Yankees have still, I mean, boatloads of money. They're going to have to extend Soto in the future. I don't know. I don't know how desperate the Yankees get for Snell, but he does kind of feel like a Yankee. He feels like a Yankee. Soto definitely does. Easily hateable. With the, with the shuffle slide and, and lackluster, terrible fielding. Again, fielding I would love if he was a Philly, but still. Because he's not, I, I'm able to hate on it. Blake Snell could feel like a Yankee. Just like kind of a douche. Um, walks a lot of guys. Like could be dominant, but he's like weirdly cocky. So there's that. There's that. Speaking of, I mean, a guy that feels like a certain team. A player that feels like a team. There was a perfect signing. Happened earlier today. We'll get to that coming up later. We're going to step away here. It's on the clock. I'm Ben Kenny. And I rewatched the Phillies video yearbook. I have some thoughts on that. I do, unfortunately. There's a great anecdote by Matt Gelb of The Athletic that I want to get to. And then a general thought I had entering the 2024 calendar year. We touch on all of that when we return. It's on the clock. Back after this. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, we're back. Ben Kenny with you. It is on the clock. Thank you for joining us as always. If you're listening on podcast, review, or whatever, follow me on Twitter at Ben Z. Kenny. I tweet about the Phillies, even though it's the off season. So, um, and we'll get to some of the MLB moves a little bit later on. Uh, a hilarious one. Thank you to the Mets. We'll get to all that. So I rewatched the Phillies video yearbook, or I watched, I should say. It debuted earlier this week. I did not watch on its debut. I watched a little bit later on. And I will tell you, like I skipped through some stuff. I kind of got bored. I had such trouble like the 2022 yearbook. I, I enjoyed thoroughly takes you back through Girardi getting fired. All of the crap that team did and went through that season to finally sneak into the playoffs at the end. Thank you, Milwaukee. And then to go on the run, like you could look back upon 2022 with the run 
with all the fond memories and really joy, a lot of joy. I struggled looking back on any part of last season from the Turner ovation, which they didn't mention WIP. He said a radio station. Great. The Lorenzo no hitter. I mean, all of the crazy, great Bryce Harper moments that were followed by blown saves, but the moments, right? Those late home runs that were great. Um, the horrible start to the team. And then like they turn it around and they go on the run. All of the little intricacies of the season. The Pache homer in, in Miami, right? All these plays that I do remember somewhat vividly and looking back on it, we're pretty big in the team getting to where it got to, but that's what I, that's what I couldn't escape. I could not escape it every time. Oh, the Turner ovation. Great. Yeah. But then I, th- they lost to the Diamondbacks. So I don't know what, what's the point. That was my feeling watching the entire yearbook. And I got through it. I felt it was at least my duty to give general thoughts on it. My only thought was, how did, how did they lose? After Zach Wheeler's Game 5 appearance, how, how did they lose that series? Even, I mean, I know how they lost after Game 6 because anything, like, stuff happens in Game 7. You're just leaving your season up to a coin flip chance. Needed to win Game 6 first. But even so, I even saw a highlight that was somebody was sharing the last Phillies homer of every season. And Alec, I saw Bohm's homer from game seven again. And the juice was there. And then somehow it just just didn't happen. But all of that, that great memory was tarnished. I just could not watch it without thinking of how it ended. And, I mean, I will say I'm more excited for a new season to start. I just can't have that being the lasting memory from everything. So that's my general thought watching the yearbook. I, um... I was also hosting on WIP with Dan Wilson on New Year's Eve. A lot of fun. If you did listen and you're listening to this, I thank you. We did midnight to six, which was a bit of a marathon. But the Eagles made it easy. If you're also an Eagles fan and you've watched those, um, if you watched the debacle that's been happening down there, it made it pretty easy to do the show. People were angry. We were pretty angry. But we talked about our, our sports moments that defined 2023. And we got a lot of answers on the Phillies, more so than the Super Bowl, more so than the Sixers against the Celtics. Mine was Craig Kimbrell in game four, but got some game seven. But it really, the tone from everybody exiting 2023 was that the year was defined by what happened at Citizens Bank Park in October. And that may have been the case the year before too, but that one for the better, this one totally for the worse. So everybody, I think, is, I mean, close to the same thought on that. Some may think about it more, like myself, but I think everybody is close to the same tone. We're 38-ish, maybe 37, depending on how you do the math, days away from pitchers and catchers. And that is the thing I'm grasping onto. And I think, I hope, I hope there's another big move. I, I hope there's something else that we could grasp onto and wrap our hands around so that when we get into spring training time, there's extra juice We get into the season, there's extra juice. And, I mean, this is such a weird team. Because I I, I sit back and I think about it. They do the the fan graphs win projections. And, I mean, it's pretty accurate. I don't know, it's hard to project an entire season deep into the previous offseason. But, I mean, there is some, there's just a lot of weird stuff going on with the team that is hard to wrap. There's some projection stuff that normally you would, count on being accurate that I mean having we watch the team we have a better understanding I guess this is what I'm trying to explain everybody can look back on Bryce Harper's season last year and know he came back from the UCL as soon as he got on the field there was no power for months then suddenly he was back so we know and we're banking on when next season starts he will be back he will be MVP Bryce Harper the numbers maybe don't show that or the numbers don't love Bryson Sott's defense at second base for whatever reason. Well, I mean, if if you watch him, it's like the dude is sick. The dude is one of the best and most natural second basemen that they put him out there, and, and the guy's awesome. So there's stuff like that. There's Jeff Hoffman just suddenly becoming really good as the season went along. Chris Sanchez as well. So there are those guys that we saw, and I think we believe in being really good on this team. There are guys that... If you ask Phillies fans, they love them. They're excited for them. But 
I don't know. There are some, there's a chance, and I hate saying it this way, but there's a chance that the bad news all comes at the same time. JT Romuto is going to fall off a cliff at some point. I'm scared it's going to be this season. Consider that my biggest fright with the team. Take away health, because health of pitching is easy. Like, yeah, Aaron Nola and Wheeler need to be healthy. But with that being number one, the close number two is, I mean, when does JT just totally lose it? Because it's going to happen. Catchers aren't playing at this type of level as deep into their careers. And he's going to be valuable. He's going to be a great defensive catcher. He'll like manage the pitching staff. But they're, he is still producing offensively. And I'm scared that's not going to last forever. But it's those kind of things. So I'm looking at the projection for the team and thinking forward. And I think this is going to be one of the toughest years for anybody to project this Phillies team. A team that so clearly has it when it comes to short sample size playoff series. But also over the last two seasons has not been one of the five best teams in baseball during the regular season. Which doesn't matter in the grand scheme. But like the Braves are are going to be great again. We can bank on the Braves. 100 wins. Dominant team. I'd say the same about the Dodgers. I don't know. The Phillies might win 90 games. They might win 95. They might win 85 and sneak into the playoffs. The variance in what the team can do is so much greater than I think any of us realize. Because we have seen two postseason runs. And we expect them to just come back because the same players are back. But we're seeing this with the Eagles right now. Sometimes when players return, Bradbury, they're not the same player. And I'm concerned that that's going to happen because some of these guys are getting older. I don't know if you have enough great youth coming up. And then maybe Stott also just becomes like he takes the next step and becomes incredible. So it can go both ways there. But I'm looking at the projections and the the fan graphs projection of their of what's going to happen. Just like general who is it high on who is it low on. I find myself disagreeing with a lot of it or trying to argue against a lot of it. So maybe I'm right. Maybe we are right. Maybe the team is just great. Or maybe there is some numbers to say that that what's happened isn't as sustainable as we think. I don't know. I don't mean to be negative, but that's the type of stuff I'm thinking about. As I see, like I'm going to project them to be a 95-win team. If you take away the Junes, or not the Junes, the pre-June, the terrible starts, they've been playing at the pace of the best team in baseball or up there with them. It's just those Junes have happened. So that's why the record isn't as good as it is. That's why they've been a wild card team. And I mean, there's the Turner thing too, where, okay, he stinks until August and then post August, he's great. We think he's going to be great coming up next year. It's stuff like that. So I would project them to win 95 games and maybe win the division, depending on how good Atlanta is. But I don't know. There are pitfalls, as I talked about last week, and there are some numbers out here or projection systems that aren't as high on the team. So I'm just passing along that information. This was um, going back, I I mean, going back to thoughts when watching the yearbook. This was actually, I mean, a great note, obviously a somber note because we think about how much we didn't get to experience with the team not making the World Series. Matt Gelb, amazing piece in The Athletic. I urge everybody to read it on Charlie Manuel coming back from the stroke. It was actually Charlie Manuel's 80th birthday, either today or yesterday, but this week. And he seems to be doing great, which is amazing news. So this is from the article. And this, I mean, I watch the yearbook, and then I read this, and all I think about is, why? how did they lose to the Diamondbacks? Here's the anecdote. Back in October, the Phillies marketing staff did its part, making plans for Manuel to be at a World Series game should the Phillies get there. The entire ballpark would go wild if he was on the field for a first pitch six weeks after suffering a stroke. Missy, Charlie's wife, liked the idea. It could energize him, uh, so on and and so forth. Anyway, um, he was going to throw out the first pitch of the World Series, which would have been game three against Texas. So we read that. um, And again, great to know that Charlie's better. This is the subtext after all of this. But I read that. I rewatched the year in review, the yearbook. And I, like, I hate Craig Kimbrell. I keep coming back. I just, I cannot get over the fact that they did not win that series. And even I cannot get over the fact they did not win game four in Arizona. So here we are. That is, those are the musings that are going on. I need, we need baseball to return. I just, we need to talk about games. 
I can't keep talking about that series, even though we will. So um, l- let's do this. This is also something I was thinking about recently, Phillies-wise, and we'll get to big moves around the sport here in a second. A general thought I've been having recently with this totally nonsense MVP discussion in the NFL, thankfully, Lamar Jackson solved it. Lamar is an MVP. I Like, he deserves it, and he has totally taken it. But all of this Brock Purdy nonsense, just absolute crap about how, oh, he's the most efficient quarterback of all time, and there's EPA per play divided by there. All these, all the analytics nerds love Brock Purdy. All these numbers. And anybody with eyes, I swear, watches the guy play, and it's like, yeah, he just tosses it out, and he's surrounded by the most unbelievable scheme and players ever. He doesn't do anything. He's like, he's good. I'm not going to say he's terrible, but this MVP nonsense was unbelievable. McCaffrey should have been the MVP before Lamar took it. So I come back to the point. Um, I was I, I was angry with Brock Purdy, but who is the most important Philly in 2024? Because Brock Purdy is not the most important player to that offense. McCaffrey is. Lamar is obviously to Baltimore. It's different than the MVP because that's an award that the definition has changed. But whose season in 2024 for the Phillies has the most riding on it in terms of if it's great, the team's great. If it's bad, the team's bad. I'm going to run through some. Think of who you would answer. Bryce Harper. I think it's guaranteed. I think it's an absolute lock. He's going to be incredible. I think his floor is so unbelievably high. So I don't think it's him. Kyle Schwarber. I think we almost saw his floor last year when he was batting sub 200, but still hitting tanks. I have a hard time seeing him. And in the field, he was a butcher and left. I think he has a much better year than he did last year. So um, him, same with Harper. Castellanos. Now that's possible. We've seen the bad. We've also seen the good. You kind of learn to take the bad with the good. I wish he would hit more doubles. I wish he would hit fewer homers, become more of a gap to gap doubles guy. But I, or even him and Wright, like, yeah, he is, he's playing out there every day. That's an answer. That's a possible one. My vote would go to Trey Turner because we know how bad it is when it's bad. When it's good, I mean, the guy carried the offense for two months. So I, I, I would vote Turner. I, I think Turner Castellanos are good options. How about a, a Bryson Stott, Alec Bohm emergence? I think those two guys are almost so dependably good, but not incredible. Like you're not going to get Bryson Stott to become Chase Utley, I don't think. And Bohm is not Scott Rowland. I mean, not Philly's Rowland, but you know, maybe that's a bad example because people aren't fond of Rowland. Um, Bohm's not going to become Mike Schmidt or Machado, or whatever, but they're so dependable. How about JT Romuto? Again, you know how I feel about him, but I come back to him because his baseline over the last five seasons has been so great. Like, not just, okay, you look at his offensive numbers, they're not the best in the world, but everything he brings to a team is so great. And I, again, am concerned that it's going to fall off and fall off fast when it does. So if he continues the greatness... What does that mean for the team compared to him being a liability at the plate? Consider that. JT and and Turner and Castellanos are the three in terms of how important their performance is to the team's success. I don't know if there are any others on offense. I'm not saying Rojas. He's going to play, uh, but his, I mean, he's going to hit eighth or ninth or whatever. And yeah, I guess I pray he's not up with the bases loaded again in a do or die spot in the NLCS. How about pitching staff-wise? Zach Wheeler, and this is given health, because if they get hurt, then obviously you're without your best players. But Zach Wheeler's floor is so incredibly high. Like this guy, even I feel like when he isn't right, is still pitching great, and still somehow he has the stuff to get out of it. Aaron Nola, when he's not right, we know it's not nearly as good. I think Nola would be the possible answer there because we saw the bad last year. And we know what what the good, I mean, in the playoffs looks like. My answer, frankly, and this is, if they sign Blake Snell, I think Snell instantly becomes the most important pitcher on the staff. Right? Trey Turner's the most important hitter. Or maybe you go Castellanos or JT. Blake Snell becomes the most important pitcher on the Philly staff the instant they sign him. 
because his peak, Cy Young stuff, he's going six innings. He's not allowing base runners. He is striking out everybody he looks at. His valley or his floor, the guy walks a million guys. He can't control. He only goes four and a third innings. You get him in the playoffs, and it's just traffic, 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 traffic. The difference, I feel like, between Blake Snell at Blake Snell's peak and Cy Young Blake Snell and whatever the hell it is the rest of the time is great. Now, people don't hit him hard, but in terms of his dominance, if you're walking 10 guys in, a, in an appearance, and that's somewhat of an exaggeration, how about six, then you're not dominating them. You're just pitching around everybody, and you strike out the rest of the guys. Someone's got to get him to pitch it more in the zone. I know it sounds, it sounds simple, and it sounds stupid to say, but in terms of his approach, I think it would greatly benefit the guy to actually throw it in the strike zone. But I think he's the most important Philly because if you get a Cy Young Blake Snell as your third compared to getting eh, average Snell as third, that's night and day. That is best team in baseball, the difference between best team in baseball and maybe losing the division to the Braves. So there you go. That's that's what's on the brain uh, as we enter 2024. I'm Ben Kenny. It is on the clock. We come back. I have moves. They're funny. Some of them are funny. The others are head-scratching, to say the least. We talk about everything that's happened across Major League Baseball. Coming up next, it's on the clock. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. All right, welcome back. It is on the clock. I am Ben Kenny with you. Like the podcast, share the podcast. Follow me on Twitter at Ben C. Kenny. All the disclaimers you normally hear. And uh, yeah, so let's do this. Let's do this. The hot stove is actually starting to get hotter. There are moves being made. And uh, forgive me, I talked about Lucas Giolito earlier. I thought I already had discussed him uh, uh, last week. But we started off everything that's happened in the last week that that you need to know about. The Red Sox signed Lucas Giolito, who I think stinks. I think he I think he is a total putz on the mound. He's a guy that ever since they took away the sticky substance, he has gotten absolutely rocked. I think he blows. But I think pitchers or teams are somewhat desperate for pitching. So two years, $38 million, 19 mil a year. There's an opt-out after the first year, though, so if he pitches well, then he's leveraging that into money. This is the Red Sox totally being desperate for pitching. They just want a guy to come in, come in, pitch the innings, be okay. Maybe he's kind of good, and the team can fill the seats and still somewhat be the Red Sox. They have fallen. The sad state the Red Sox are in. They make another move, too, right after signing Giolito. They trade Chris Sale to the Braves. Now, it's weird on the Braves' side, but the Red Sox traded away Chris Sale. Chris Sale went to the Red Sox from Chicago, the White Sox, to win. He wanted to join a winning organization, so he went to the Red Sox. Now Chris Sale wants to join a winning organization, so he went to the Braves. The Red Sox have totally become, they used to be, one of the premier, I mean, for the last 30 years, Dodgers, Yankees, Red Sox. 
like one of the uh, giants as well, one of the premier organizations in the sport. David Ortiz, Manny Ramirez. You can go back into the nine in the in the you know 1900s or the 19. You know what I mean? The 40s and the 50s and the 60s and Ted Williams. But even in the last you know couple decades, they've won multiple titles. They're one of the best organizations, and suddenly their ownership has become totally cheap. Mookie Betts, nope, don't want to pay you. See ya. Bogart's gone. They they let their big talent go. And Eduardo Rodriguez even, who was great in Detroit. And now we're seeing them sign Lucas Giolito to bolster their rotation and trade Chris Sale to the Braves. And that might even be a good trade for Boston because Sale hasn't been healthy at all. But it's the, it's the thought. It's the thought of a big-time pitcher wanting to get out of your organization to go win. You never want to be in that position. The Phillies got in that position when they had to trade Rollins and Utley and all them. The Red Sox are in that position, and their ownership is totally cheap. Their ownership is in different directions, trying to have business ventures with some some golf league with Tiger and Rory. They're not serious about winning, which for Sox fans is pathetic. So Braves-wise, I mean, it kind of just feels like Chris Sale is a Harper and Schwarber stopper so that they don't have to have to start Bryce Elder in Game 3 in Citizens Bank Park. We know how that went. Harper killed him. Chris Sale is a formidable option. I will give you that. I don't think anybody is a Chris Sale away from a World Series. But I think if it all works out, the thing is, the guy's been hurt. The The guy is, is hurt every season. He is chronically hurt. So if he's healthy in the playoffs, then yeah, that's a pretty good deal for, for the Braves. They give up Vaughn Grisham, a young infielder. I actually think he was the guy that was the last out against Matt Strom this year in the series. I think it's a I think it's a win-win, to be honest. You could see both sides of the trade. I think it more just signals a a really steep downfall for the Boston Red Sox. So Sale hasn't pitched fully in four years. They're banking on playoff health. But he he left the Red Sox to win, which is a pathetic existence if you're Boston. So there's that. There's the Sox and Braves side of it. The Cincinnati Reds signed Frankie Montas. One year, 16 mil. This is a theme. Giolito got 19 mil a year. Frankie Montas gets 16. Frankie Montas was hurt all year. He was great a couple years ago. And again, I think this is just desperate money. We're throwing around desperate money for guys to fill innings. If he finds his 2021 form, well, guess what? You're the Reds and you're not going to re-sign him. I think it more signals the sad state that some organizations fall in right now. They have to sign these rentals, hope they hit, pray that they can bottle it up and go on a run, or they flip him at the deadline. But if they become too good, they can't afford him. Then he goes out and they get he gets a good deal elsewhere. It's pretty sad. It's pretty sad where everything stands, but that's what that shows me at least. Frankie Montas could be good. I don't know. The last bit, this came down today. Almost unbelievably, but I can believe it. The New York Mets signed outfielder Harrison Bader to a one-year, $10.5 million deal. If you don't know who Harrison Bader is, look him up. And then he will make perfect sense as this career arc. Cardinals, Yankees, Mets. Like the trio you would expect that guy to play. He comes off as a douche, to put it lightly. He is a perfect Met. And he creates a top three of the order, potentially. He won't hit second, but I'm doing this for a thought experiment. Brandon Nimmo, Harrison Bader, Pete Alonzo. The most deeply annoying top three of a of a lineup I've ever seen in my life. Oh, Harrison Bader's the worst, and it's perfect he's on the Mets. So at least, hey, if the Philly, I mean, I hope they go on another run. At the least, I'm going to have so much fun hating the Mets. And the Mets, they won't be that good. Bader's not that good. He's a good defender. The guy, he's a below-average hitter. But the Mets have, the Mets are in that weird spot. They lost Yamamoto. They lost their big-time pitchers. They're not going to be that good. They're going to be really fun to hate. Let me tell you that. Especially, I hope they bat those top three guys the way they are. There will not be a more terribly frustrating and, I mean, easy-to-hate top three of a lineup, maybe ever. So that's that. All right, I'm Ben Kenny. It's on the clock. Uh, let's do this. There's your your moves to know. The Red Sox are pathetic. Uh, the Mets got a classic Met. 
And um, I want to come back. I mean, there's something we've been monitoring. The Wander Franco situation. We update you on that when we return. And that's it. I'm Ben Kenny. It's on the clock. All right, we're back, Ben Kenny. I have uh, I have somewhat dodged the Wonder Franco situation for obvious reasons. Um, well, he's now under arrest, so I can uh, officially pack pass along this piece of news. He's been under arrest. He no showed some sort of uh, he like court subpoena or whatever. He no showed they arrested him. He is being alleged to have committed commercial sexual exploitation some sort of relationship with minor. That is what is alleged. And that is what I guess they will battle with in court. The biggest thing is like the dude's not playing baseball again, which is a shame because I mean, he was great. It's a shame because of what he allegedly did. It's a shame that something like that or a guy like that is taking those missteps and is actually a total scumbag. So there you go. I mean, we will we'll monitor it. I, I, the, the Tampa Bay Rays are totally screwed. Every good player they get either gets out of their price range or now is allegedly having relations with young girls. Not not good at all. Not good. Uh, that is our official stance on this situation. Not good. So we will, whenever something drops or whatever, whenever there's another step, we will update you as we do uh, on everything else around Major League Baseball. Until then, uh, until next week, I'm Ben Kenny. It's on the clock. We come back. Probably some more 2024 thoughts next week. Hopefully Big Phil's moves. But I think the takeaway from this week is there could be big improvements. And honestly, the more I think about it and and geek myself out on the team, I think they might need it. But we'll see. We will reconvene next week and talk then. See ya. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 